Okay, everyone. Ready to learn. Ready to go. Uh, good evening, everyone. Thanks for coming. Um, the um, shir tonight was dedicated by my brother-in-law, Yossi Weiss. And he dedicated, it was his birthday this week. And I thought he's going to dedicate it to his birthday, but he wants to dedicate it to the Rebetzin, Chayamushke, Bas Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, our Rebetzin. May your neshama have a great aliyah. And a lot of blessings to you, Yasi, to your family and everything that you need. And Parnasa Barachava, Nachas from the children, and only, only good. And um, all the brachas for all of us. Okay. Um, I'm going to learn this week. I, I, we started something last week, but my head was metumtam, clogged and closed. And I tried to finish it today, and I can't make heads and tails of it. So I guess from Shamayim, they didn't want me to teach that. Instead, we're going to learn. Um, so I grabbed something right before the class. Mamish, I didn't even. I never. I, I learned this years ago, but I never. I didn't learn it in a long time. It's a very special discourse that was said in the year 1952 by our Rebbe. And what was known about this discourse is that it was a very, very intense discourse, and the Rebbe was weeping like a little baby when he said this, this discourse. And I guess you can see as you go later uh, into the discourse, you get, it, you get a little glimpse of the pain of, of a Rebbe, the pain of a tzaddik. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Anyways, here we're ready to go. It says this week in the, in the parsha, in the end of the Torah, the end of the parsha, parsha Shmashpatim, it says that um, God promises the Jewish people, if you do my mitzvahs, uh, I will give you all the blessings. I will remove all, all illness from you. And then the passage continues to say that um, the women will be blessed. There will not be any woman who loses her children. Um, that's either during childbirth or during preg pregnancy. There won't be any. There won't be any um, any um, um, miscarriages. Vaakara is a barren woman, a woman who can't have any children in the first place. So Hashem says, in your land, you won't have a Meshakela, you won't have an Akara, and that you will live a long life. Hashem says, I will, I will complete the days of your life. I will fill your days. Now this Pasuk is a continuation to what it says before this. In the verse before this, it says, You should serve God your God. And he will bless your bread. And your water. And I'm going to remove an illness from amongst you. Hashem is going to remove sicknesses. So that's what it says first. Hashem, it says, If you will serve God your God, then he will bless your bread, your water, and, and then, then the, the, the Pasuk switches the way it... Uh, the way it um, the language, interesting, I mean, I don't know if he's going to make note of this, is that it says, you should serve God, your God, speaking about Hashem in third person, third, serve God, Hashem, and he will, he will, we're talking about he will bless your bread, he will bless your water, and then it continues, suddenly switches, and I will remove illness from amongst you. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And then he continues that, that through all of this, you won't either have any women, any, 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 any children being lost, either before they're born or after they're born. 
So over here, really, if you think about it, there is a promise for three things. Bane children, we know that the three main material blessings that we need are called Bane Chaya Mezayna. Bane means children. Chaya is life. As it says, I will give you a long life. And it also says, I will bless your bread, which means I will give you abundant parnasa, or Mezayna and food. The blessing is going to be in abundance and um, with a great wealth. It says, I will bless your bread and I will bless your water. That's the food. Hashem will give us sustenance, parnasa. That I will bless. What this means is that not only will the, the parnasa come, the, 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 will be as, as it is needed, in addition to that, it will be an extra blessing. We say, a parnasa barachava, you say, broadness of parnasa. In regards to life, meaning health, we say that's health. Uh, I will remove all sickness. There won't be any illness. The Yisaitim is not only this. The days of your, the number of your, of your, of your days, you will fill. What does that mean? That means that not only won't there be illness, but you will actually live a very long life. This is longevity, a long life. The same is also in regards to children. Mary says, you will not either not have children in the first place or God forbid, lose the children. This is the blessing of having children. This is the what it is negating that there won't be any barren woman, which means everybody will have children. And then not only that, and their continuation that the children, God forbid, won't die. Everybody knows, I mean, thank God we're living already in Mashiach's days. And today's days, the infant, chi- uh, um, um, uh, infant death, uh, God forbid, has been drastically declined. It used to be 100 years ago. So many children did not make it into, into, into adulthood. Uh, many children died, didn't get a chance to come into the world. They died by childbirth, during pregnancy also. They didn't have t- uh, all the technique that they have today. Um, and then during childbirth, so many children died, and then at early, in early infancy. And uh, so this was a, a huge blessing. Hashlila de Mishakela. This is the opposite of Mishakela, that they shouldn't either die young or miscarriage. And in a manner, that they will live, to live a long life, also to their elderly years. Like we find by Yaakov, like we find, oh, because it says, how do you know? When it says, it means your children won't die young. But the Rebbe says it means not only they won't die young, it means they will, they, they will, they will live, and they will live to long life. How do you find that? Because when Yaakov Avinu thought that he lost one of his children, even though when they were already serious adults, Yaakov Avinu said the words, Vani kasha shacholti shacholti. Like I have lost my children, I've lost my children. He uses the words shakalti on the loss of children. Now this child wasn't lost at young. This child was lost. Yosef was already 17 years old. And yet Yaakov calls himself shacholti when he lost him. 
So you see that even when a, when a person would, that, that the opposite of shikul banim, of losing children, means that the children live long, not only do they live past infancy. They will not be. Now, the words they will not be, you can explain in two ways. Either either it's a commandment, either it's there shouldn't be, or there will not be. Like we find in many places that you have words that can be interpreted either you shouldn't or or you won't. For example, it says in regards to, when it says lo tignov, so there is two, it, it means two things. Either it means God is commanding us, we shall not steal, you shall not steal. Or it says, God is saying, the future will be that there will be a world where lo tignov, no one will steal. In other words, as a result of the mitzvahs being done, there is a purification in the creation into human consciousness to a point that a person cannot touch that which is not his, his or her. So Hashem is telling us, lo tignov, we will not steal. You will not do this, this will not. So the same over here is also, it can mean either there shouldn't be or there won't be. Either it's a commandment that there shouldn't be anybody losing their children. He says in Yiddish, there may not be meshakei levakara. There's also a promise. There won't be anybody that loses their children. When a person, but not, now the question is like this. In this case, we understand it as a promise. We don't understand it as a commandment. I mean, you can't command us that there shouldn't be anybody that loses their children. That's not up to us. That's up to Hashem. He has to keep the children healthy. So you can say it's a promise, but what does it mean a commandment? So, but he says, when a person will do everything that he's in his hands, that there shouldn't be any loss of children, which is he's going to explain soon what that means, that it means a spiritual thing, that there shouldn't be not that, I mean, not that you will take care of your children and make sure they're healthy. Of course, that goes without, health, without saying, but it means something spiritual in our own lives. Then Hashem also promises that there won't be a meshakel of And what is the condition of all of this? You will serve God, your God. Even though in regards to Chazal, Chazal say, that's an interesting thing. Here it seems to say from the Pasuk that if you will serve God, your God, then all these blessings will come in health, in Parnasa, and in... And in, and in, and in um, and in children. So it seems like it's dependent on that. But the sages do tell us that these three things, they're not dependent on merit. They're dependent on good fortune. Mazel. That's what the sages say. Like you have some people who do, they have a lot of merit, and they don't do well with their children. Or they don't well parnasa. They don't have a livelihood. They're very good people. They do a lot of good. Or they're not healthy. Other people are not, are not uh, really, we won't look at them and say that they're such amazing people. Yet, yet they have prosperity, and they, have nice, they maybe do well family-wise, live a long life. The, old, the age-old question, the righteous suffer, the, the, those that are evil prosper. So you see, it's a mazel thing. It's not always a mazel she'enan has chus where the merit is not negeah. 
Yeah, true. There is such a thing called mazel. But after the mazel, there is another thing that as a result of avadatem sashem alokechem, that you will serve God your God, then all these things will increase disproportionately. In other words, once you got the mazel, if you also have the serving of Hashem, then this is increases it exponentially. We need to understand what is this idea of avadatem sashem alokechem? You will serve God your God. You will serve God your God. At first glance, it's the general idea of a servant serving his master. The whole idea of a service is only possible by a mortal human being between a servant and a master. Why? Because the servant can add perfection to the master. The master is lacking, he has certain needs. And the servant, the servant is a provider of those needs. So that's called serving. Serving means I'm giving you that which you need. Even though he's a master, and he is a true master, which means he is generally a very complete human being. We're saying he's not a master just because, he's, because you know, good fortune happened to him and he made a lot of money and therefore he bought a bunch of slaves. We're talking about the quality of his soul is that he's a master. He's someone who deserves to be on a on an elevated state. Even so, nevertheless, he has He's still not God. He can, might be a great person, but he's still not God, which means he's still lacking things. No one is perfect, so there are things that are lacking. And this is why you have a servant, to fill that which he's lacking, or maybe even if he's not lacking. If there's no need, but there is a want. There's a difference between a need and a want. Okay, so there is a need. And you need a car to get around. Okay, so the Evid is the chauffeur, he drives him around. Oh, but then there is a want. The want is, you know, what kind of car does he need? He needs a need. That's a want, he wants whatever. Oh, so that, but that's also the Evid. The Evid either might supply the need, or he might supply the want, the desire. But all that adds perfection to the master. Now, if the servant is perfecting the master, adding to the master, so we can understand that that, that now causes a perfection in the servant. Because the servant is all about serving his master. So if he, if he adds, if he is a good servant and he's a good provider, so then that itself honors the servant. So the master will say, hey, took a look, this is a servant. And the greater the master becomes because of the service of the servants, the greater the servants become because they are the servants of a greater master who became greater because of their service. See what's happening? They build him a palace. Now that he has this beautiful palace, his honor rises. He's, he's a more dignified a person, he has this gorgeous mansion, this big palace. Now, they're the servants of not just any other master, they're the servants of the one who has that mansion and that palace. So that upgrades them as well. So that adds perfection to them. Okay. But when it comes to God, God is not lacking anything and he doesn't need anything. Being that Hashem is perfect with utter perfection, it's not understood. How is it possible to speak about God and say you should serve Him, which the very definition of service is, means to supply something that wasn't there. We also need to understand 
This seems to be something that we find contradictions in the words of the sages. Our times that we find our times we find that service is not at all needed above. Not at all. is stated in the Medrash. The Medrash says, The Medrash says, does God really does it really make a difference to God if someone slaughters an animal from the neck? From the from the throat, or someone who who cuts the animal's head from the neck. We know that in order to be kosher, you have to cut the animal's throat from the throat, from the front. It's a mitzvah. That's the laws of kashrus. So the medrash says, does God really care? Does it make a difference to God if you're shechting from the throat or you're shechting from the neck? No, it's not. So it's not that God needs it. So the Medrash says, "When the mitzvahs were given for our sake, it causes us to become sensitive. The human being becomes sensitive because if he's thinking that he has to do it this way because what God wants is painless for the animal or less pain for the animal. It's the most painless, easiest way to die. Oh, so what does that do to the human being? It refines the character of the human. And this Medrash seems to state." that the significance of all mitzvahs is what it does for us. Mitzvahs were given for the human, for the human being's benefit. As it says that all the union of mitzvahs is only to, for the sake of the purification and rectification of the creations. But it's not that God really needs it or gains anything from it. Now there is a pasuk that supports this. The pasuk says, If you sin to God, boy, what have you done to him? And in the many, many, many rebelliousness, you think you offended him? He doesn't get offended. He's not hurt. It doesn't affect him because it's all nothing to him. All of, all of creation is meaningless to him. And if you're righteous, if you give tzedakah, if you're, if, you're, if you're righteous, what are you giving him? So that it seems to play that for God, you're really not doing him a favor by keeping mitzvahs and you're not doing him any harm by not, by Zabek. You're not being a disappointment to Hashem in any way. But that's on the one hand. And that in other times we find that the our service does affect God. We do find that. Stated in the Medrash, Allah Pasuk. We say, and now, Moshe says to God, and now, let the power of God become great. So the Medrash says, when Jews study Torah and do mitzvahs, they cause that God, the name Hashem, the name, the name Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud, God as a master, becomes great. We cause an expansion in God's name, implying that, that God is affected when, when we do a mitzvah. We also find the opposite. That when we're lacking in our service, when we're lazy and we're not involved, we cause a weakness, so to speak, above. It says in the Medrash, the strong one, the mighty one, the rock, who gave birth to you, you've weakened him. What does that mean? When the Jewish people do not do the will of God, which means a lack of observance of Torah mitzvahs, they're weakening, so to speak, the power of God from above. So again, sometimes it seems to say that the sages are saying that God couldn't kill us. It's only to our benefit. And other places it implies that he does benefit 
and God forbid lose as a result. So which one is it? who the idea is, both are true. Kimavur Bachasidis has explained in Chasidis Ma'avodis Hakodesh from the book Avodis Hakodesh, who is Rameyor um, Gabai, a great Kabbalist, a philosopher. So in his book Avodis Hakodesh, he explains. He, he, he deals with this, contra- with this, with this uh, seemingly contradiction. He says, that the sages say, that Hashem cannot, is not, doesn't make a difference to him. Who, he says, that's only referring to God's very, very, very self. Who al-adoin yachid, on the singular master, shoresh hashrashim, the root of all roots, delay lo klal. He is not impacted at all. For omnam, however, but for the sake of God's honor, what does that mean? The Shekhinah, which is the divine presence that resides and is God as he runs the creation, his majestic power, his majesty over the world, that is very, very, very much impacted through the mitzvahs that we do. The good we do increases God's popularity and his power, so to speak, in the world, his influence in the world, and the bad is decreases it. And that's what we mean, the Shekhinah is affected. So Hashem's quintessential self, of course, nothing matters. But as Hashem already contracts himself within to the creation, so Tzayda Chakavit, as he says, for the sake of Hashem's honor, Lashpia, when he's already influencing, on the supernal heads, to unify the beginning of God's thought with the end, Tzayda Gomeru, of course it's an absolute need. In other words, when we're dealing beyond the spherot, beyond the attributes, mitzvahs don't make a difference. But when we're dealing in the attributic elements, to unify the beginning of the sefirot, keser, the crown, with all the attributes, and finally into malchus, which means to flow the channels through the channels of the attributes, which is really the, the, the channels through which God's energy and flow comes into the universe, that, of course, we increase and we decrease through Torah mitzvahs. The, the, the master, the singular master, the source, the root of all roots, over there, avoda doesn't affect at all. But after God enclosed Himself, in the order of evolving, uh, of evolving uh, um, attributes, beginning with the first attribute, which is chachma, which is the beginning of the whole chain-like progression of divine descent. The chachma is the beginning. Even higher than that, because keser is also called an attribute, even in the crown. In the lower part of the crown, we know in the crown itself, there's two levels. In Kabbalah it says that in Keter there are two, two levels. There's the Chitzonius Keser, or the lower part of Keser called Erech Ampin, the law Erech Ampin, is the inner part of Keser called Atik Yomin of Ancient of Days. So he says even Keser, which Keser generally represents transcendence, Kesser represents just like a crown sits above the head. So God, as he's higher than having any what's an adjustment to the creation even in Kesser the lower part of the crown touches the head the higher part of the crown doesn't touch the head which means it's related to the to the to the to the to the creation in some minute way and therefore it too is impacted by our deeds Solomon is the root of the emanations over there it does affect Atik in the level called Atik Atik meaning withdrawn the, the ancient one, 
Pnimi Asakasar, the innermost of the crown, over there it doesn't affect. Obira Inyan, and the explanation of the matter is like this. In the entire order of, of progressive energy, progressive descent of divine light, as it moves from level to level, that's called Ishtalshalus, a chain-like descent of a system that God set up of evolving energy as it evolves from level to level. Over there, mitzvahs are all wired up. And the mitzvahs increase the flow. The avoda is important. Whether in the vessels, for sure. And even in the energy that flows in the vessels. I mean, the vessels are already closer to the creation. Because the vessels are already the limit, limitations. The lights are kind of still infinite. The energy that flows in the vessels, they're infinite. Yet he's saying the mitzvahs affect both the vessel and the light as well. So he says, in the kalim for sure, why? Because what's the idea of vessels? The idea of vessels is to contain the light and to conceal it. The kalim definitely give room for something else to exist. Because that's the whole point of the vessels. The vessels are to restrain the light, to, de to define them. What's the point of defining the energy? So that it can be, it can be in a relationship with something. God himself, if he's going to remain alone, he doesn't need no vessels. The vessels and the containers and the sephirot are only for him. They're called his name. They're only for him to have a relationship with the world. So over there, God is already making room for a relationship. So we can understand that the degree of the relationship and the, 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 the success of the relationship impacts there. Because the whole point of the reason they exist is for the relationship. So the more successful the relationship is, meaning God created this, that he wants you to have a relationship with his creation and how we will serve him through Torah and mitzvot. And he will, he will be the benevolent God pouring his blessings to us. So we understand that the better we do, the, the more enhanced it is. Because when, when the light, um, when, when, this, when this pure, if the light is shining, the Rebbe is explaining over here why you need vessels. And why we're saying the vessels are here in order to bring about to enable Hashem to be in a relationship with something other than Him. He says, because when the light is shining unrestrained, what is light? Light, Yichasidus, it always says that light reveals the source. That's what light is. Think about a sunlight. What's a sunlight? A ray of light. It's all about, through the light, you see the sun, the, where, where, where the light is coming from. Okay, so the light reveals, re reveals its source. So if there wouldn't be any diminishment on God's light, there wouldn't be any vessels, and the light would just shine, so then we would see the source, which is Hashem. And when the source is revealed, there's no room for anything else to be revealed. Because nothing can exist in the presence of God. Um, then there's no existence of anything else. So that's where the vessels come to play. That's where the vessels are called into existence. What do the vessels do? Conceal the light. They leave room for something other to exist. Until from these very vessels, through a very long, li long line of progression, descents after descents, more vessels and more containers and more concealments and more filters and more, more, more partitions as the, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker, finally you end up with creations. Before that, it's just diminishment of, of lower manifestations of God, but there isn't anything else in existence yet. Nothing can even think of existing in the presence of Hashem. 
But after a gazillion descents of the light, suddenly someone is here that claims he exists because the light is so hidden. Right? And then, and Inyan Shazulas. Now, since the Kalim, their whole idea is to enable something else to exist. Soif, soif. And then, after a whole long, after a, a, a long chain like, Ultimately, from the vessels come creations. So therefore, that means that the vessels have a relationship to these creations. Because they're there for them to exist. Their whole reason God made these vessels is for the creations to emerge. So we can understand the condition of the creations and their, 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 uh, what they're doing affects the vessels. So and the vessels, it is important, the service of the creations. What does that mean? When we're lax and lazy, and we're not doing that we should be doing, it causes a blemish in the vessels, which we know. That's what an Avera is. An Avera or a lack of a mitzvah causes a defect in the vessel. And not only that, but even deeper than that, in the light that is also, it also affects the light. Our mitzvahs also affect the energy that flows. Even though the pigam, pigam meaning a literal blemish, is only affecting in the vessels and not the light. Once the vessels have a pagam, have a, a blemish, a defect, mistalika or mahakeli, what does that do to the light? The light dis- departs from the vessel. The light cannot be in a vessel if the vessel is blemished. So what does the light do? The light goes away. For a simple, simple example for that. God forbid the vessel is our eye, one of the vessels. And the, the light is the vision, the power of the soul of vision that goes into the eye. God forbid someone gets a bad injury in the eye, so the vessel gets injured. What happens with the power of vision? The power of vision, the soul still has it. The soul still has the power to see. It's just that since the vessel is injured, that power is not manifesting, is not shining through the eye. Instead, it recoils and it goes back into the soul. Like that power, it gets reabsorbed in its source instead of it being animated and affected. So you see that the condition of the vessels affect the light as well. Because when the vessels are healthy, then the light can manifest in them. So you see that, that and now, and since our service affect the vessels, so, so then indirectly they affect the light as well. The light is affected if it goes away from the vessel. Because why? Because the intention of why did God initially emanate light is that the light should illuminate the vessels. The intention of the light is that it should illuminate in the vessels. And when the light goes away from the vessel, then the light is not fulfilling its purpose. And And that is harmful to the light, that the light is not doing what it needs to be doing. And therefore, our mitzvahs and deeds and all is our avoda, our service, also is important to the light. Since in the lack of our service, causes the light to go away from the vessel. 
and then therefore its purpose of why the light is there in the first place is not being realized the Yaseidim is that even more than this that our service in light itself we know there's two types of light see we're speaking now of vessels containers then we're talking about light that flows in the vessels but then there's a higher level of light. It's called encompassing light. It doesn't even go into the vessels in the first place. It's too intense for the vessels. So the question is, do our mitzvahs impact even that light? So he says, yes. Our, la- our doing or non-doing of mitzvahs. Now, on the lower level of light, you can say it impacts it. Why? Because if the vessels are damaged, the light that's meant to be in the vessel can't, can't stay there. It goes away from it. So that's called impacting the light because the light is not fulfilling its purpose, the energy, because the energy is supposed to be in the vessel. If it's not there, so it's being impacted. But the light that was never meant to be in a vessel, how is that being impacted by, by the lack of service? Our mitzvahs are not. He says even that is impacted. Why? Because even the light that's higher than enclosement in vessels, it's a source why is there lights that are higher than the vessels? Because from that light that's higher than the vessel comes another light that can be taken into the vessel. And the way the energy comes is that the energy first comes very powerful, like a ray, and then there's a ray from the ray, and that goes into the vessels. So the first ray is really only there to supply the second ray. Even though the second ray is much, second ray is much weaker than the first ray, the first ray is only there so that it can. There should be a ray, an array of a ray, and then that ray will go into the vessels. So it comes out. There's a domino effect. If the vessels are broken or damaged or not functioning properly, so the energy that's in the vessels depart. That means that the initial light, which is supposed to serve as a foundation for the second light that goes into the vessels is not either serving its purpose because it's supposed to be the platform or the the the, the root from where the other light comes that goes into the vessels and that's what we mean that our service affects even keter even the crown because that's what keser is the encompassing light because what does arich mean it's the root Arech is the root for the emanations. So it too has a relationship to them. And since in the emanations, which are the Svirot, mitzvah's effect, so therefore also in the root of the emanations, even there the avoda effects. Only in the level of the innermost of the crown, which is God himself. Which means where Hashem is not at all moving into a relationship. Where he is for himself, totally in isolation, totally alone. On that level is what the sages were saying. Why does God care if you cut from here or you cut from there? Because on the level of Atik, the, the master, the singular one, the root of all roots, he is the root, the words of the, that's the words of the, the Avodah Sakodesh. He's very careful with his words. He doesn't say, he says, which level is not impacted? He says, 
Shoresh Hasherashim. What does that mean? The root of the roots. Because in the roots of the emanations, over there it does affect. That's the, uh, the external part of the Kesser. That's the root of the emanations. But we're talking about the root of the root. That, since it can't even be a source for the Netzalim, for the emanations. And it is really separated, even from the sources. Atik means removed. It is higher, removed, transcendent, even from this level of keser called arich. Then why are we calling it a source of a source? That, that already means relationship. It's just one step back in the domino, in the chain. It says no. There, it's not, see when we say something is a source, there's two ways of saying it's a source. A source means that, it's a source meaning you can see how this leads to that. There's another way when something is a source. It's not a source that this is meant, that that, it's that ultimately everything comes from him. But it's not that, that his business is to provide the next thing, the next thing. Okay? I'll give an example to that. Um, you have a big company. A big company is moving into, uh, moving into a city. And they always talk about it on the radio. This new project is going to provide 2,000 jobs. It's great. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to help the economy in, in the city. You know, Los Angeles economy is now going to be better. It's going to boost because it's going to provide 2,000 jobs. Now, in addition to 2,000 jobs that it's going to provide, also there's going to be every day these 2,000 employees are going to eat lunch. So it's going to provide more because these 2,000 employees are going to be buying lunch. It's going it's to help the economy. And that's all in a ripple effect. Fine. But then there's something else. It's also going to provide for the, for the cats. Cats, little cats. Why? The stray cats. Because when they throw out the garbage, and the cats are going to open up and have what to eat from the leftover food that these people are eating, they're working for the company. Is that called a shoresh? That you'll say, oh, this is a, that this company is a shoresh. Yeah, it's a shoresh for the employees. And maybe even for the people that the employees are going to provide other, but not for the cats. Because no one is intending that the cats should get food. It just happens to be that they're gonna get from there, but you can't call it a source. That's the same idea. This level, the innermost of the crown, yes, of course, everything comes from God. He's a root, but it's not that it's his business to provide for the creation. It, of course, from him comes everything. The level of Erech Anpin, the second level, the level of the, of the, of the, of the encompassing light, its business is to serve as a source for the next light that can go into the vessels. It's what, it defines it. So therefore it's a shoresh. It has a relationship. But the, the, the keser is not. We don't have another, we, you, we borrow a term. So in God's very self, our avoda doesn't affect. And on that level it says, If you sinned, what have you done to him? on the many rebelliousness, what have you done? In the goodness you do, what have you given him? 
However, we need to understand that So based on this, okay, so we'll interpret our verse that says, serve God your God. You're not serving God, you're serving godly light. You're, 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 by doing mitzvahs, you're enhancing the godly light. But that's not what it says. It says you will serve Hashem Elokeichem. Koi, loira kalmadreg is to say the rishtalshulus. When we say, ask a child, stop being, stop trying to be a smart aleck here. If you ask a child and it says you will serve your God, is a child know, okay, there is these levels and levels. God is God. Don't tell me stories. So, you're right. From the sophisticated mind, we can understand and discern all kinds of levels and levels and levels and levels and on end. But when the Pasuk is speaking, it's speaking to a simple person as well, who doesn't know of levels. And when you say serve God, that means serve God. So it, it seems to imply that even to Hashem himself, it, there is a service. Loira Kalmadreg is to say the Rishtalshalos of the order of the Shasham Negeya Inyan Avoida, which we said earlier, where the Avoida is affecting Kanal. But even on the levels that are higher than Rishtalshalos. And we can see that by looking carefully in the Pasuk. He's pointing on to what I, I mentioned right at the beginning of the class. If you look at the verse, it says, Serve God your God, and He will bless your bread, and your, your water and your bread. And then it changes the middle of the verse, and I will remove illnesses, as if suddenly God is talking. It seems like Moshe is talking, the beginning of the verse. Serve God your God, and He will do something. And suddenly Moshe is overtaken by God's voice. And God is saying, and I will remove sicknesses from you. It's, now we do find psukim that speak about Hashem, where it's like something about God. There are psukim in the Torah where God is talking. But rarely do we find one verse that in the middle of the pasuk, it switches. What's going on? Right? We're speaking about God. Like the third one talking. Like a third one is speaking about Hashem. I will remove. Like he's speaking for himself. The Indian who and the idea is, based on what Nachmanides writes, on his, in his introduction to the Pirish, to his explanation on the Torah. He says, Moshe Rabbeinu did not speak the first four um, books of the Torah like he's speaking for himself. He is speaking, in other words, he, meaning, He is speaking like a narrator. When Moshe wrote it, he wrote it like a narration. For example, it says, it says, God spoke to Moshe. It doesn't say, Ani dibarti in Moshe. I spoke to Moshe, like God is speaking. It doesn't either say, It wasn't that time, Diber alai Hashem, Hashem spoke to me. It's narrating. Like a, there's like this third person over here, we don't know who that is, and he's narrating that God spoke to Moshe and gave over. Hashem Moshe Lamer. It's not Moshe saying. Then it should have said. Hashem spoke to me. It's also not the 
the Dibur of God, I'm speaking to Moshe. It's a narration. It's not God and not Moshe. It's a third one that's narrating that Hashem spoke to Moshe. And the Ramban explains, it is explained that a third one speaking is higher than both of them. Whoa. There is, <laughs> if it says Havaya spoke to Moshe, if it would have said, I, I am speaking, I spoke to Moshe, or if Moshe would say, and that Havaya spoke to me, that would all be a lesser Torah. Now that it's a narrator, it's much higher. Because who's the narrator? Someone that's higher than Yudke Vavke and higher than Moshe. Simply, we might think it was a reporter from Chvat, uh, from CNN. He was reporting what was going on. It's not. It's, it's, how can it be higher than God? Higher than the name Yudke Vavke. Moshe. It's higher than Moshe. It's higher than Shem Avaya. Ki Shem Avaya, because the name Yud Kevavke, the Tetragrammaton, even though this is the highest name, past, present, and future, ke'echad like one. We call him Havaya because he has a relationship to, Havaya means beingness. He's the source of beingness. The one that's higher than both, Moshe Avaya, who is that? This is the very essence of quintis, the quintessence of God Himself. Oh, it's a whole different story. You're learning Chumash? Who's narrating? This is God's very essence telling you about, about Havaya, which is already an expression of Him, speaking to Moshe. But who is the storyteller? Wow. This is phenomenal. A heir that sailed. Whoa! He's the words of the Rebbe in Yiddish. He says he is relating vases fargikumen and seder eshtalshalus. He is relating what's going on in this whole chain-like evolving world system. Moshe is a certain level. Yudke vavke is a higher level, a much higher level. But still, they're all within the chain-like order of evolving light. Who is the narrator? The source of all sources. The head of all heads. He's narrating that this energy communicated to this energy and translated down here. He's called the third one. Similar to what it says. Make us live from two days. On the third day, which as we know is referring to the time of the highest time where God himself will be revealed should he let us live from two days it says there's two types of life it says he will make us live from the two days what does that mean? two days days means lights because yom is made up of light so when we say yom two days what does that mean? Two, two life forces. What are the two life forces? So we know in general, the Zohar says, God enlivens the world with a contracted energy called Mamalek Kalalman, an indwelling light. He enlivens the world with an encompassing energy 
like we spoke earlier. There's the light that goes in the vessels. There's the light that encompasses the vessels. And then there is God himself. Right? Then there is Hashem himself higher than any vessels. And that's called two days. Yomayim, two days. Lights and vessels. And even higher. The light as it is for itself. Or the revelation of the light to others. But then it says the third day. Who's the third day? That's referring to that which is higher than both these lights. It's referring to God's very self. And that's why he's called the third one. And that's what happens over here. It's an amazing thing that goes on in this Pasuk. Generally, all over the whole place, this is unbelievable. No one is getting excited besides me. What's going on over here? What's happening over here is like this. Generally, when the Torah is talking, the narrator is talking. And the narrator is narrating as if he's narrating between Havaya and Moshe. That's going on the whole time. So you don't see the narrator. You wonder, who's the narrator? He's not here. You just hear someone narrating and telling that Davaya spoke to Moshe. Suddenly, in the middle of this verse, what does it say? It says like this. God says, you will serve God your God. You hear what's going on? You hear this. God is saying, you will serve God your God, and He will bless your bread. He, Havaya, will bless your bread and your, and your water. And suddenly what happens over here, an amazing thing, suddenly the narrator removes the curtain and he says, and I will remove sicknesses from amongst you. Suddenly the narrator emerges from the behind the curtain and says, and I will do something. Because till now the narrator is talking about Havaya will, will bless. Suddenly the Hasiroisi. Suddenly he appeared. That narrator that was behind the curtains, who is who? That's higher than all the lights. The third one. He suddenly appears in this word, peekaboo. Why in this verse? I get... When you will serve God, then Havaya will bless your bread. That upon him it is said, He will bless your bread and your water. And after that, he adds, and I will remove a sickness. What happens? The third one who was talking, Oimer, suddenly appears, and he says, that God himself says, I will remove the sickness. I will remove the sickness from, from, from you. Okay. From here it's understood that what? That the Indian of Avoid is not only Negea to Shem Avaya. Oh, what do you see from here? Why did the third, the narrator, suddenly get excited? Suddenly he moves the We don't have him talk on his own the entire time. He's narrating a story about what's going on in this entire configuration of existence. He's telling a story. He's not part of the story, he's outside of it. He's relating the story. Suddenly he's inside the story. Why? Something must have provoked him. Something must have gotten him excited right in this Pasuk that he suddenly appeared. Why? Because you just said, you will serve God your God. 
And serving God, your God, is something that, that is so special to Hashem, that's suddenly his hair. But hold it, didn't we say before that the service doesn't affect him? That the service only is affecting the levels and not God? But from here you see, from this very verse you see, that for some reason God is caught up, so to speak, in the service, and, and, he, and he does take, take interest. Because out of all places, when we mention that you will do his will, and you will serve him, you will serve Yudke Vavke, the will of, then what? I am here and I will remove sickness. So you see from here, God is very self. That service affects not only that Havaya, Yudke Vavke, will bench your bread. That's my mecha and your water. Ayadei Shem Havaya through the Shem Havaya through the name of Yudke Vavke. I will remove a sickness. The very essence of God Himself. We need to understand. Didn't we just say in the level that's above If you give tzedaka, what are you giving Him? He's not. He's not affected by it. So now the Rebbe is going to say something very powerful. This that the sages tell us. That there's a certain area, a certain level to where our service reaches. And then there's a place beyond that that God kind of, to say, is indifferent and unimpressed and unaffected by our mitzvahs. That is referring to the service itself. The details of the service. But the outcome of the service, that through the service, the creations become refined. Whoa, 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 whoa. So this is what he said. He's saying like this. Or at least I think he's saying like this. That the nature of the mitzvahs, the importance of the mitzvahs themselves, of what the mitzvahs do, is every mitzvah we know has a certain segula. Every mitzvah causes a certain energy flow. That only affects the levels of energy flow. Not the source of all sources from where all energy comes from. Not, but, that's the, the, the nature of the mitzvahs. But what do they say? God doesn't care about what you're doing and why did he give it to us? in order that the creation should become refined. Now that refinement, that the creations become refined, that we become refined when we give tzedakah, that, that, that is something that God, God's very, very, very self is very excited about. In other words, the, the, the nature of the mitzvah itself doesn't impact. But the the, 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 the the cleansing that it does in the creations, and that's why he gave it, does impact it. Shagam bebriyos ba'alma, what does that mean? Letzarev ba'amas abriyos, the sages use the words to refine the creations. Now when the sages use the word refine the creations, it doesn't mean to refine a tzaddik. Refine a creation means, why are we calling people creations? Call them people. 
call them, talking about refining people, to refine his children, wide creations. So the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya that who do you refer to as a creation? Someone who is so lowly and it's so that there's nothing else to say about him but for the fact that he's a creation of God. It's like usually you find that every person you can find something like something to speak about their quality. But sometimes you look at a person, there's nothing there. It's like the famous story of the sage who met someone. A whole story, it's an amazing story in the Gemara, which no one really understands what the Gemara says. It's a strange story. And the, and, and, and this, and this sage meets this person, and, all, and the sage says, you know, you're very ugly, he tells this person. And the guy says to him, go tell the maker who made me, who created me. In other words, you know what? If there's nothing dear to me but for the fact that my creator created me, obviously there's that itself is, is a quality. He created me. Okay. So the Rebbe is saying over here that when we say the refinement of the creations, it means that what, what God delights in the most is when coarse things, coarse, bury a a lowly being, becomes a little refined, a little sensitive. The whole idea is you're taking you're taking something that is dense, coarse, thick, selfish, stuck in his or herself. And when it becomes a little refined, that's what mitzvahs do, tzedakah, this, that, you forgo on yourself. You do a kindness to someone else. You care about something. It makes a dent, even if it makes just a tiny little dent in one's super ego. But even if it's just a tiny little dent, that's, that's what God likes. This affects even the Ebershter himself. This it says, You will serve God your God. And suddenly here God himself chimes in. God himself. And he says, I will remove the essence of God himself. I will remove sickness. Here it says, I will remove sickness from you. Not like it says earlier, two weeks ago in the parasha, parasha's b'shalach, it says, all sicknesses that I've given the Egyptians I will not put upon you. Here it says, I will remove all sicknesses. What's the difference? On that Pasik, we're talking about the possibility of an illness. There is a possibility of sickness. And we're saying that that possibility will not actualize. I will remove a sickness. There's a much greater novelty. What? Not, I'm not, even when the sickness is already fully there, and doctors say there's nothing to do. Sickness. There will be a removal of that machla. Now, in order to remove the sickness that's there already, for that you need God's very self. In other words, 
to prevent sicknesses that are possibly there from happening, even if the person is not that careful or whatever, and there might be, the doctor thinks that there's a possibility, God forbid, that you could get this or you could get that. For that, it's enough regular divine protection. But once the, God forbid, the sickness kicked in already, and it's, so then you need a higher power. That's why it says in this passage, It's referring to Hashem's very self. Okay, so now we know. So now we know two things. There's the character of mitzvahs and the nature of mitzvahs that affect and impact the godly, but not God. But then there is the fact that we break ourselves when we do the mitzvah. We bend ourselves. We're, we're, take, we're challenging our ego and fighting out with our nature and turning darkness into light. That is something that is a satisfaction to the highest of the high and the deepest of the deep and the source of all sources. Now the idea of service, what does it mean on our end to serve? Serving means to serve like a servant. And that's what we spoke on the Monday class. It's referring to primarily to service, with awe, the kabolas oil and acceptance the yoke. Meaning serving means you do because I need to do, because I was told to do. Not because I'm enjoying it or I like it or it feels good or I agree with it. Yeah, that's nice. Because you have to serve like a servant. A servant doesn't, doesn't, doesn't consider himself because he knows I'm irrelevant. I'm just a servant. I'm irrelevant. Not only that, he not, he's not, he doesn't have any sense of beingness at all in existence. And he's completely surrendered to the master. But now, it's interesting. We do know the sages say about a servant that on his own, meaning if you were to remove, if the master wasn't here, the master went to Australia, very far away, and the servant kind of gets a little bit of his own, like, uh, you know, he can relax a little bit, he'll say he doesn't want to work. He wants to have a good time. Um, but that's true. But now that his master is there, what does it do? It, 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 he suddenly contracts, and 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 he's totally nullified to his master. He wouldn't even think of it. That's I'm talking about a, you know a servant when he's a servant the way he should be. He does his master's will. So when God says I want you to serve me, it means that it means that we know that what that God's business is our business. That was that. Meaning to say, it's not that I have become a totally refined human being. There is a type, I think, a tzaddik. A tzaddik becomes a refined human being. As he becomes a refined human being, whatever God likes, he likes. Whatever God doesn't like, he doesn't need to like. Non-kosher food doesn't have any appetite to it. Not at all. Quite the country, it, it, it pours him. Anything that's not kosher, anything that's not according, it, ugh, he has no, 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 doesn't, doesn't appeal. It's abhorrent, it's disgusting to him. Okay? That's a tzaddik. That's a person who's refined, he's elegant, he's godlike. <coughs> Kabbalah's oil doesn't mean that. 
Kabbalah means you can be a very coarse human being. You have all, every sin, every desire in the world for, for heart. You, the person has a passion or desire. But he knows that I'm not a free bird. I have a God. I'm, I'm God's servant. I have a God. He's my master. I, I would love to do that, but I'm a servant. See the difference? The person... He hasn't changed himself. His will, his intellect, his emotions. He's still in your own will, desires. He does his servant in a manner of acceptance of the yoke. Because when it comes to actuality, he says very simple. Because when it comes to, to the doing of mitzvahs that need to be done, don't... The, going away from bad stuff and doing good things. You can't wait until a person will change himself. There's some people who say, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying, of course. When a person is not born with, with educated with, with Judaism, they have to take it slow. I think. But, once you've been there and you know already and you're involved, then um, you can't say, you know what, I'm only going to stop keeping kosher when I work on myself so much that I feel an abhorrency to anything that's not kosher. It doesn't work that way. There's no time to wait until you're going to become an angel. First, you got to do what you got to do. Even as he is, as he is, you got to do what you got to do with acceptance of the yoke. That's we also see the order of everyday service. In the morning we say modani. What's modani? I acknowledge. I surrender. And in prayer as well. Hodu means I surrender myself to God. Later in davening, I'm not surrendering to God. I'm loving God. My entire consciousness is filled with God's light. And that's all I want. That's later. But right now, I submit. Before the whole thing, submission. This is a Kabbalah soil. Since the Pasuk of Avadatem is also referring to prayer, Rambam tells us it's a mitzvah to daven. You should serve God, your God. You should serve Him with all your heart. What's called the avod of the hardest prayer? Since, see, even though the main basis of service means serving with fear and with acceptance of the yoke, but he says, but service also means the service of the heart in prayer. And the main service of prayer is the service of love. So included in this service that we're talking about is the service of fear and the service of love. Shazal inyan atfila, which prayer is all about expansion of love. There is no service like the service of love, like the Zohar says. The idea is the 
the effects of davening are both in our godly soul and our animal soul. Ki Tefillah is from the word toifel, shu'inyan ha-chibur. Toifel means to sow, to connect. Shal yod, anasas is chabrus, because through this becomes the attachment. Nas nefesh ulekissim, sharsho makaira. The godly soul becomes attached to its root and to its source. That's one Indian in prayer. So prayer attaches Yunashama. Yunashama is a godly being. It's in, surrounded with material, material, physical things all day long. It's all it sees. Prayer is a time of meditation, awareness, a conscious expansion of, of one's spiritual consciousness. And that's you're connecting your soul back to its root. It's a, it's a, it's a recharge of the soul. But then there's something else in prayer. We know that the animal soul is also affected in prayer. Because our coarseness, Prayer is meant to slowly, it's on page ratio test as we were holding. A prayer is made to slowly bring a refinement in the animal soul. Because we have two souls. We have an ashama that's craving Hashem. We have an animal soul that's a beast that all it wants is physical enjoyment. Now, the more one prays, the more refined one's animal consciousness becomes. Because, and it causes an, an elevation of the sparks of one's body. Because here's the thing, the body has to get swept along with the soul. If the soul is craving for Hashem, you're feeling that in a physical body. So a chunk of meat, that is the same chunk of meat that is in every, in every other human being or in every animal, and yet the animal knows only of the material, and the human being, that physical heart craves for God, that's a refinement of sparks of holiness. Things of the material world. And this type of service is only with serving of love. Acceptance of the yoke, doing because I have to, doesn't accomplish this. That's why this is necessary. The service of God also requires an internal identification with what you're doing. So here it is. You have two types of Jews. You have people who love this. Love this. They love spirituality. Love, experience, feeling, enjoying, getting close having these elated moments, crying in prayer, laughing and dancing. They don't like, however, when they don't want God, they don't want Him. Certainly, leave me alone now. I'm done, I did my prayer, I feel good. Now I have my life, these are things I do. I know this is not according to the Shulchan Aruch, it's not what the Torah wants, but this is what I do. And you're lacking the basis of service, serving Hashem. Serving Hashem means serving because where God says, you've got to listen to me. I appreciate your love very much, but I have rules, and those rules I want you to listen to. Then you have other people who just tell me the rules. Tell me the rules. I'm going to follow the rules. I'm a very, very religious. Give me the rules. What are you talking about? Love, spirituality? That's for, that's for, that's for funny people. That's for... I'm into practical. Yeah, no. Ask the rabbi. Yes, no. He's saying both are necessary. The basis of foundation of a Jew is I'm a servant of God. But then, there needs to be refinement and elevation of the animal. Connecting your soul to its source that only happens if you're loving Hashem. That's how the, it's the, the cleaving of the soul to its maker. And the purification of the, of the body is when the body yearns for God. 
And that comes through Ava, through love. The Ineba voided the year of the void is only of year of a Kabbalah or Levada. More than that, when you're serving God because the yoke of heaven, here's the thing an ox has a yoke on it to work. An ox will work with a yoke. You put a yoke on it. But the ox will be 30 years an ox and he will remain the same ox. doesn't change internally that he has higher aspirations. doesn't change at all. He's the same ox. So when a person serves God only in being religious without a refinement of learning something high or getting a deeper appreciation, he'll remain the same coarse human being. Yes, he's a mitzvah machine. That's good. He's a mitzvah machine. He did the right thing. But the refinement isn't the internal change. Didn't change his animal, didn't change his behema one bit. Like you see in literal, you have these people, there are people who are naturally God fearing. They're very religious and everything, very observant. And they don't even have to work hard. It's just it's almost like it's embedded in them from their childhood. This is the way it is. Ubizboinen is kala, and it's not, and they mamish feel, they, they, they're afraid of Hashem. Ubizboinen is kala, they do a little meditation, they can evoke their fear, not to do something wrong, and do the right thing, do the mitzvah. But nevertheless, even when their service of not doing sins and doing good, they will do, they learn, they do, uh, do mitzvahs. But their animal soul still remains a very coarse. It's only they control it. They take a hold of that animal that wants to go because they fear Hashem and they control it. It remains just as a behema like it was, just as an animal as it was when they were born. Not only that, during the course of life, it only gets stronger. Being that the neshama comes down in a body, and during the duration of our physical life, we have to live physical, we have to do physical activity, and we know the rule about a muscle. What's the rule in a muscle? The more you use a muscle, the stronger it gets. The, the less you move, that's what exercise is. You're using a muscle, and it's getting stronger. The animal soul, the more you use it, and when do you use it? We can't help using it. All of our physical activities that we do, we, we eat, we do, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. The sense of entitlement, I must have, give me, gets stronger and stronger. So you have a person who's very religious, but still their animal soul is they, they remain can remain just as a behemoth like they were. The kivan should they avoid the meyira. And since the service of fear, loy paul, bitter of nefesh bahamis, did not affect the purification and a cleansing in the animal soul. So then loy paul gamis chabrus anefeshalikisim sharsham akira. So then that affects also that even the neshama, the neshama's attachment to its source is also not complete. Also doesn't happen. This is gewaldi. So you might say, okay, I'm not refining my animal, but I can still attach my neshama to Hashem. No. Because the neshama has a mission. What's the mission of the neshama? It needs to refine the animal. Since this person doesn't want to do anything in refining his animal. He just wants to be from and do what the God tells him to do, but without working on a, on a change of his passions and desires, which can only come when you become sensitive to the Ebishter. You become aware of God and you, you concentrate on him in prayer, 
And you need to have what to pray with. So you need to think Hasidus and the like, which will give you something to pray with. So you need spirituality. It's without that, you can't refine the animal. So what happens is, the animal remains just as an animal. So the godly soul, the neshama, did not affect the animal. And if it did not affect the animal, there was no purpose of it coming down in this world. Because its purpose of coming down in the world is to refine the animal soul. And if it didn't do it, it didn't affect its purpose. And if it did not realize its purpose, it doesn't connect to Hashem. Because its connection is through its fulfillment of its purpose. To fulfilling his will. And what's Hashem's will? That the neshama should fix the body. And the animal soul. And this is the sake of the reason why the neshama came down below. Because the neshama doesn't need any rectification. People think a neshama needs... People always ask, what's my tikkun? What's my tikkun? Then, true, every person has a tikkun. Not your neshama. The soul doesn't need a tikkun. The souls are perfect. The souls come down to make a tikkun in the physical. And in the, either in the world, with other people, or with your body. And both. Everybody has a... That's the tikkun you need to make. Viridosa, lamata, and the descent. What? No, because it didn't do its work in this world before. So it comes down again to make a tikkun in the world. But it's not the mitzvah, the neshama, that it needs a tikkun. It's what it left out to be mesakin in the previous Gilgul. It comes to be mesakin. But not on its own. It's not like the neshama needs to embellish itself. It needs to be mesakin in Indian. Viridosa, lamata, hukadeh, lavarid, asagof, and nefesh, bahamas. And its descent into this world is to fix the body and the animal soul. And as long as the neshama did not affect a bitter, a purification of the animal soul, it did not fill God's purpose. And therefore, it did not affect, the person has not affected his soul becoming connected with its root and its source. The dafka ma'ava, dafka when the neshama serves God with love, shal yod which through this the neshama affects a birur, a purification of the animal soul. Harehu poil gamis chabrus nefesh elikis im So then it also affects a, a connection of the godly soul with its source and in its root. So that's why you need to have an addition tavoida of. So avadatam means be'ikr kabbalah soil, but also the service of love. Ve'oid inyan bezan another inyan shaloi maspik avoid me'yira elam muchrach liyazgam avoid ma'ava. It's not enough to serve God with fear. We also have to serve Him with love. Dine avoida hu meloshin ibud oirois. Avoda means service, but it also means what's this one? Push the button, the mode button. No, it's not on the outside, on the other side, the, that button. So it says all. It takes a minute to break. Avoida comes from the language, from the word tannery. La'abed, what you work is you work hide. And when you take skin from an animal, what happens? It's not fit, as it is, it's not fit for anything. But when you, they, the tannery, you bang it, and you bang it, and you bang it, and you bend it, and bend it, and bend it, you turn it so soft, it becomes a soft leather. So that's, that's the avoda. God tells, takes, gives a piece of, the body is a chunk of animal hide. 
And God tells the soul, I want you to make your hair. This world is a tannery. You ever thought of it? All human beings. <laughs> the human beings are the, car are the carcasses that need to be worked out by the soul. The soul is there. And how do you do it? You bend it. Bend it, bend it, bend it. Bend the body against its will. This way, this way, this way. And then what happens? It softens it. Just like in the Ibad of Ours, you need many types of work. Working in a tannery is not an easy work. It comes with a lot of toil. Until the ur, the hide, becomes worked out. The roll is cloth, especially if you're turning it into a parchment. You should be able to write upon it. So has to be the service of God. Requires a lot of work. Difficulty. It has to be like, you can't cruise in your Yiddishkeit. Cruising in your life, just cruising, without working hard on something, it's not accomplishing. There has to be exertion. And that's why the Tanya demands so strongly that you always push yourself to learn 10 minutes more than you want to. Always that extra push. You always have this like this thing of how much kindness you want to do, how much you want to help out. When, you're, when your energy wears off and you don't want to do anymore, you feel like, oh, I'm such a good person, I did enough. It's exactly then when you fight and you stay another 15 minutes. It's, it's pushing yourself beyond your limits all the time. From this it's understood, that the service of fear is not the true avoida. Fear does not drive you to toil. Like you have many people. To have fear. But when you're loving somebody and you really love someone, that's when you're pushing. You need to have that avoid of love. Which that comes through avoida. That the love itself comes through hard work. Because fear, you can have natural fear. Love of Hashem, no one, is, no one has natural love. It requires work to bring yourself to that love. You have to serve God, your God, on the service of fear. Which is the beginning of one's service. And also refers to the service of love. is explained in Kuntris You have both. So in order to explain the, the manner of this avoda, of serving God your God, the Pasuk continues and it says, You will not have anybody that loses her children, either or a barren woman. What does Akara mean? Akara is a barren woman is someone who doesn't give birth to children. Now, what are the children in the soul? The children in the soul are our love and our fear are called children because the parents are the intellect. The Chachman, the Bina are called parents. Now, what happens if a person learns a lot, goes to classes, learns a lot, studies, and maybe even tries to meditate a little bit and to think about but nothing happens the heart remains cold untouched, unfazed, unmoved 
That's called a barren woman. She can't create the emotions. The children are not being born. She's not conceiving. There's no, there's no, there's no even pregnancy. What does that mean? The call, I mean this Avavayira, it's referring to the love and the fear told us his boyness, which are the children of the contemplation. ben. Because just like children, you can either have a boy or a girl. So love is 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 male. And fear is female. That, so that's Akar. Akar is someone who doesn't have children in the first place. What's Meshakela? Meshakela who shayaledas ava ve'yira. It's a different type of person. He, ha, he, he meditates, studies, meditates, and creates a spurt of love. A spurt of fear. But it dies out very quickly. It doesn't last. Maybe you manage to keep it for a little part of the prayer. Maybe you managed to keep it throughout the prayer as well, but the time you go home to shul, you totally forgot about it. All you think about is food and eating and all kinds of other things. <laughs> Suddenly it's gone, like last year's snow. Fartik, not here. She'en la'em kiyam. And this is where the commandment comes. There will not be a meshakei levakara. That the contemplation Remember we asked in the beginning of the discourse, what does it mean he's commanding us that we shouldn't have any, any barren? What kind of commandment is that? That's up to him, that's not up to us, that we shouldn't have any barren woman. No, he's commanding you, make sure. Two things, you shouldn't have, make sure that you give birth to your children, these are the emotions, and that they have a sustenance. Then your avod is going to be the way it should be. And the explanation is as follows. There are two types of barren women who don't give birth. One level is she doesn't even have a womb. It says that about the imaot. It says that about our mothers. That they were so barren that they didn't even have a womb. She doesn't even have that which would be necessary to receive pregnancy. To be. For the sake of, of the birth. What does it mean in the spiritual service of a person? What's the womb? You're talking about emotions. Emotions are the babies. And the babies are in the womb. What does it mean, a womb? So it's like this. When you learn, what is it, what's it between intellect and emotions? Intellect is calm. Information, calm. And when information is going in, generally, you can't be excited. If you're very excited, then no information goes in. Because what's excitement? I like that, I like that, I like that. You feel yourself too much. And when you feel yourself too much, the whole point of intellect is objectivity. Intellect is removal of self. Make a clean window. Let light come in. Emotions are all about what's an emotion? This is great, I love this, I want it. Emotions are full of self, full of drive, full of excitement. Intellect is absence of self, calmness. So how do the intellect create emotions? So there is a middle there. That's after you understand something, there is a womb. 
in the brain there is a womb where the emotions start to be created. And what's that? You get intellectual excitement. It's not in the beginning when you're learning. If you get this right away, there are people to do that. The people who, the moment they hear something, they start bubbling in their brain already, and they don't hear the whole class. Nothing goes in. They only get excited right at the beginning, and they're whoa! When the Magid used to teach, the Holy Ms. Richard Magid, some of the students started climbing the walls. He was only, you know, you know, two sentences in, and they were already under the table. One was on the walls. They were like, because they couldn't handle it. There was just too much light. The excitement came, kicked in too early. The point over here is to be silent, to allow it to come in, and then, then when you, you start letting it sink in, then you're not getting get excited emotionally, but your brain is excited. It's, it's an intellectual excitement. It's like, wow, you have the wow. You can see when you give a class, I, I see it all the time, you can see when someone's eyes sparkle. And it's like, it's, it's, it's a shine, and it's an excitement of the mind. It's not an excitement of the heart, it's excitement of the mind. That excitement of the mind is the womb, where over there the emotion can begin to fester. If you don't have the wow in the mind, and it's just cold information, cold information, then you're a robot. But you can be a scientist. There's no excitement at all. It's like just, it's a calculator. Then there won't be any emotions. That means there's no womb even. There's no chance. So she'ain as he says, she'beis which through that the midas will be born be in the revealed heart. The ikra she'ain lo'beis vlad not only that the person is <coughs> lacking full-fledged, expressed, conscious love and fear, which is the idea of a clogged heart, frightening. A clogged heart means a heart that doesn't get inspired. Even an intellectual excitement the person doesn't even have. You know what that means? That means that the brain is clogged. The mind is clogged. It's terrible to have a clogged heart. It's even worse to have a clogged mind. It's like nothing. Okay. And the reason is, the reason for that is, he says, is because in order to be a keli, you need to have a, a womb is a vessel. In order to be a vessel, you need to have empty space. A vessel has to have space. The way, you, know when, you know when a person loses all, all ability to get excited about godliness? Is there's no vessel inside of them because they're so dense in themselves. Everything is I want, I need, and everything is about me, and, there's, and then there's no vessel. There's no vessel. It's very frightening. Because the person is, is filled, he's filled to the brim already. And with the midas of Basav Adam, a full keli is not machsik. When a person is a full keli, the person is filled with his own desires. I'm not even, the Rebbe says, I'm not even talking about what the, the desires of the evil inclination. That we're not even talking about. The person says, I need this and I need that. These are the desires of the which are forbidden desires. A person is, God forbid, filled with forbidden desires. Or, or, or maybe a little, it's not the will. Okay, that's the worst. Not that. Less than that. The will of the animal soul. 
He's differentiating between Yetzahara and animal soul. Yetzahara means it's already ugly. Animal soul means it's materialistic, it's not ugly. It's kosher pleasure, but it's, the person is a pleasure seeker. All he wants is his desires. Even though they're permissible, it's per, what does it mean it's permissible? Permissible is the food. The longing and the lust for them and the desire for them, that's not permissible. Wow. The taiva to them is a demon. It's not... But even that is also considered, if a person is filled with that, there's no space for Hashem. He says, even if you're filled with your desires, it's desires of your soul. Even this is, whew, the Rebbe is being very, very, very extreme over here. Even if you're filled with the holy desires, but instead of it being what does God want, it's about what I want. I want to feel close. I want to daven. I want to learn. I want to know. I want to, when it's filled with self, even if it's holy desires and it's coming from the neshama, that's also being filled with I. And when you're filled, there's no vessel, and then you can't really love God that won't go into the heart. There's wills of holiness in a imumale. If instead of asking yourself at the beginning of the day, I know what I want, but you know what? That doesn't make that important. What does Hashem want? What does God want of me? When the person is busy and preoccupied with his own desires, meaning to say that what? This is my kind of thing. I like doing this. I'm happy you asked me to do this. Because this is like my kind of thing. But this is not, not my kind of thing. And therefore go find someone else to do this. This is not my thing. I'm good at this and I like to do this. But I don't like to do this. No, it's not my nature. Or it's not... This service he desires. And when you ask him to do it, another he doesn't want it. So the Rebbe says, He's still filled with himself. The love and the fear is not going to take hold in his neshama. In his brain, the truth will not take hold. That it should create excitement in the mind. And then, and then of course, it can't reach an excitement in the heart. What's the second type of, of barren woman? The second kind of barren woman is she has a womb. She's just not becoming pregnant. She's not giving birth. She has a vessel. The excitement happens in the mind. It doesn't excite the heart. Because just like, and he gives an interesting comparison, just like when it comes to physical birth, the only way to have a physical birth is that there has to be the union between a man and a woman, and God has to insert His infinite power into it. That's how we're... In order to give, to create an emotion, basically the Rebbe is saying like this, don't think you can do it on your own. In order to create an emotion, you also need God, God's input. Hashem has to help you. Hashem has to plant. You can ovulate 
but then you need the seed to come from above. And Hashem has to uh, get that going. Light that is planted to the tzaddik. The call Azriya the Torah Mitzvah, which is the planting of Torah Mitzvah, and it comes through a higher, Elyon Dafka. What happens is this planting, which makes a person susceptible to birth, he says it happens once a year, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, when there has to be a real shakeup at the very core of the person. And that's when the person becomes a keli. And then even after the, the there is a there is a conception, there is the pregnancy, until the child can be born, until he's revealed. In order to reveal an emotion, there's an order. Now we can take it even further. Let's say there is already in a birth of emotions. Hashlila da'akara. You still have to make sure there shouldn't be meshakela. What's meshakela? Meshakela is the, is the children that die young. They're born already, but they die young. Sometimes a person does get motivated and excited to do something good. And really, but it fizzles out a few days later or a few hours later. And there's, there's truly an excitement. So something was born. Then it's true. That truth lasts forever. So to, to truth that something was real. However, one needs to still add, find advice in his nefesh. Even when he does his service the way he's supposed to. Whether it is in the grasping of the mind. Whether it is in the emotions of the heart. They come out in the revealed part of his heart. He's conscious of it. It's not just imaginary fantasies. Their true love and fear. And they affect him in his observance. That his Torah and mitzvahs are, you can sense the love and the fear. In addition to him actually learning Torah, him or her doing learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, he knows the intention behind the mitzvahs. And he knows that which he's drawing down through the mitzvahs. He understands and he appreciates that when he gives tzedakah, he's causing the flow to happen on the right side. And through the service of discipline, mishpat, mishpat in this week, then it's this biyakov, nasam shacha bekava gvura, that causes a flow in the left side. And through Torah study, which is the middle, nasam shacha bekava mtsoi, causes a flow in the middle. He's serving God so strongly that the Havaya, that the Yud Kei Vav which is the transcendental aspect of God, 
Elokechem becomes his power. Elokim means power. He's a person that's... Now you would think, okay, this is already really good. This guy already, he made it to the top. Okay, this guy has love, fear, and it's permanent. It's affecting him in his Torah and his mitzvahs. You can see in him that he's driven by a drive that's higher than limitation. So it's like, wow. I mean, it's... Tzarech Lizoyer, whoa... Now you got now is where you have to start being careful again. What's the next thing? See how many there's so many exits to fall off. So many. Right. First, it's possible that a person is so stuffed, they're not even shy to get excited in their mind. And that is because when a person is stuck in themselves, you have to carve out a carving. Okay. The next thing is okay, you can get excited in your mind, but from the mind to the heart, there's a distance. It's not, it's a clogged heart. Let's say you clean out the heart and you get, you can light the fire. Ignition happens. It ignites, but the fire goes out. You ever try to light a barbecue and sometimes it's just not catching. Sometimes you get it on, you pour kerosene, shoots up and two minutes later it's out. Ah. You want to make the coals should be permanent. They should really catch. Now he says, even if the guy got his coals going and it's burning and it's burning from the inside and it's gewalding. Here's what he has to be very careful but he should not walk around satisfied from his work. You can, do, you can ruin the whole thing. The whole thing. The whole thing. If, he walk, if after all of this, he feels that you should give him an aliyah, in shul at least. Why? Because I learned. I have a... <laughs> He's satisfied from his avodah. The Rebbe says, then he ends up standing in his place. Then he doesn't continue going because he's satisfied. He stops, he doesn't continue. First of all, when you start feeling satisfied with yourself, you can cause that the love and the fear that you have will disappear. See how, how constantly rigid a person is. It re- Service of Hashem causes such, requires such vigilance. And you let go, you let the guard down for a minute, and you're not, then the person gets satisfied, even the children that were born already can die, God forbid. Will not remain. That's a meshakela, we said earlier. Even in the time that he's serving with love and fear, if he gets satisfied, it's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be he's gonna he's gonna he or she is gonna plateau. Plateau means stop climbing, just plateau. And according to how much satisfied they are, in your in your land. In your land, will. Even just a little feeling of, ah, I'm satisfied with what I accomplished. Definitely not that he should feel his own desires. Then he's filled with himself. Now. 
And then the Pasuk continues and it says, The days of your life I will fill. This is the advice of how not to become satisfied with what you've accomplished. A person naturally, I did do it without Why shouldn't I feel accomplished? Why not? I mean, isn't it good to feel accomplished? Seems to be. She says, no, no, no. Consider the next thing. God says, I will fill the days of your life. What does that mean? This is the advisable advice. Could they live for El to affect in his neshama? A feeling that he will never feel satisfied. A drive that's insatiable. How? And the idea is like this. When a person contemplates. That a person was given only a set amount of days. Yamim Yitzuru. God created us with a, a portion of days. You don't have less and you don't have more and no one knows when their day comes. A certain amount of time. And every day. And every hour. And every moment. A person needs to do his service. To fulfill his mission in this world. Again, God sent him down and every minute there is a mission. And every minute there is a mission that which needs to be accomplished. So when a person realizes this, you become so preoccupied. So invested, so involved in fulfillment of mission. To the point where the person doesn't have even a moment. A person doesn't even have time to stop and to think. Which level am I? Because there's so much to do. There's so much that needs to be accomplished. You don't have time even to stop and think about yourself. Because there's what needs to be done. Where do we find something like that? Maybe that's not good. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said to his students before he died, he was crying. And they said, Rabbi, why are you crying? He, this guy, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is the Rebbe of all the Jewish people. Taught the Torah, he's this one who saved the Torah. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He was dying and he cried. And he said to him, why are you crying? He says, he says I don't know which way they're taking me. He says, come on, Rabbi Yochanan, come on. You know what you've done in your life. So it says, he's going to explain over here. What's the explanation? How can he say that? There's the Rebbe's explanation. Only the Rebbe says explanation like this. Because he was so busy all of his life doing, people needed him all the time. Here he needed to help this one. Here he needed to teach this one. Here he needed to fix this problem of the Jewish people. Here he needed, he never had a moment to stop and introspection to wonder about where am I? What's going on with my feelings? Where, am I pure? Am I refined? He didn't have time for himself. Even the introspection, that he, because he was so busy. He didn't have time to to see, did I work on myself? Did I uproot bad? Did I... He wasn't busy with himself. He was so busy with what needs to be done that he never had a chance to sit down and say, but where am I? Never had a chance. He's so immersed. And he said, the Rebbe says in Yiddish over here, he's so involved, he's unified, he's all drowning in the fulfillment of his shlichus, 
Bechol yom every day, u'bechol shah and every hour, u'bechol regan and every moment. She'ena yaday, I doesn't even know ma nasim sichloi. Where is my intellect? Umidoisav and my emotions, because he's occupied with what needs to get done. Val achas kama v'kama benegel l'madreges hanalomish benefesh. He definitely doesn't know what's happening in the subconscious because he didn't have time to even. A person could do a test, but that takes time. Enough time because the things need to get done. What does he mean? There's not going to be a. The shul is not going to be built. The mikveh is not going to be finished. This is not going to happen. These people, he doesn't have time for that. The previous rebbe had a chassid. His name was Reb Chacha Fagan. This Reb Chacha Fagan was his secretary. He was a big chassid. When 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 the when the uh, when the the communists were be, started closing down all the shul, all the shuls, and all the mikvahs in Russia, and shutting down and stopping Yiddishkeit. They they established a network of Hasidim and people. They were raising money, sending out people, and working around the clock to keep this underground yeshivas and stuff. And it, it was nonstop work. and the Rebbe and the Rebbe, the Rebbe gave, gave him a workload like unbelievable because everything they were. Hachafegin, this chassid came in to the, to, the, to the Rebbe one time and he broke down crying. And he, and he was a very, he never cried in his life. He was a very, very generally, that's what they say about him, he was a, he was a more of a cold person. I mean, he, didn't, he wasn't like a guy who cries every day, you know. But he cried, they say, three times. This was one of them. He came to the Rebbe and he broke down crying. He said, the Rebbe, what's going to be with me? I don't even have time to learn Hasidis before davening, so that I have something to daven with. Chabad, Hasidim, this is everything. Learn, and then contemplate. He said, Rebbe, I don't have time. And I think the Rebbe took his hand, and the Rebbe said, Chacha. I said, what's gonna happen if me and you are gonna start learning and things like that? What's gonna happen with this city? And what's gonna happen with the yeshiva over here? And what's gonna be with the mikvah over there? And the Rebbe was crying together with him. They were both crying about the fact that they don't have a moment for themselves because they're so busy with what needs to get done and they don't have time for themselves. And that's sort of what the Rebbe is talking about over here. When a person recognizes as mispar yamecha amale, that God gave you a certain amount of time to impact this world, and for that there's no leisure time, there's no extra moments. That's why the Rebbe never went on vacation. Never, never went on vacation. Because there wasn't a moment. He had a busy schedule, he was just too busy. It was too much to do. And he had an appetite to get done, everything. As long as there's one Jew, one Jewish child who's not in a yeshiva, his job is not done. Until there's this one Jew who doesn't put on tefillin, his job is not done. There's one Jewish home without a mezuzah, his job is not done. There's one non-Jew who's not keeping the seven Noah laws, it's also not done. The work needs to be done. God has to have a beautiful world, which includes everybody. And, 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 and if you have time, that's what you need to do. Yesterday was the Rebetzin's yard site. So one time, the Rebetzin ordered new chairs, lounge chairs, like for the porch in the Rebbe's house. When the Rebbe came home, he used to come home at night, he saw his wife sitting on the porch on one of those chairs. So the Rebbe sat down next to her, and I think he sat for two or five minutes. And then he got up and he said, Oh, 
I fulfilled the, the obligation of going on vacation. Because all Rebbes, even Chabad Rebbes, the great, they all went, they all would go rest a little bit. Oh, it was a month, three weeks, they needed there. They went. It's not that over there they didn't learn and dive and everything, but there was such a thing called a vacation. A person needs a vacation. And this was the only vacation that anybody ever saw the Rebbe took, is that he sat, reclined, because he never sat reclined, if you see he's always like this. He sat reclined and he said, oh, I did, we did vacation already. <laughs> Done, now it's back to work. He was able to relax very quickly, so that was good. Some people, they go for three weeks vacation, they're still not relaxed, right? <laughs> but the point over here is, that's what he's saying over here. He, he didn't have any time, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, to ever even look in the mirror, spiritual mirror. What's going on with me? How am I doing? So definitely, if you don't, how can a person at this point start having satisfaction, feeling good? He knows that every moment he needs to fulfill his mission. And if one moment passes, that he's lax and he's not doing his avoda. It doesn't mean, oh, I could have achieved something. I could have reached high levels. I could have reached something high. And he didn't do that. Okay. He said, okay, there was a moment of wasted time. Okay, I didn't reach what I could have. More than that. In this one moment that he doesn't do his avodah, he's a rebelling in the king of all kings. Here's the Rebbe's words. I have to tell you something. The Rebbe in this mimer was completely on a level, was like in a different place. Because the Rebbe, when he was saying this, was weeping like a child. It wasn't stop talking. It was like he was sobbing. They say it over here on the bottom. The Rebbe was sobbing. When he was, no, our Rebbe, when he was saying this, he was sobbing like a baby. On the, because the Rebbe understands this. He's saying that, what do you mean? I didn't read what, what? God, the, the, the king of all kings sent me, me, me on a mission. And every minute he gave me a moment to work to do. So what do you mean I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm happy with myself. I did, I didn't. And if there's one moment that, that went by that I didn't do what I'm supposed to be doing, so that's not like, oh, you know what? It's nice. It would have been nice. It's not that. He says it's a, it's a rebellion against the king of all kings, the master of everything, is to sit back and not to do what I'm supposed to be doing and to chill. <laughs> it's almost by us a mitzvah to chill. The Rebbe is saying a moment like that, he's not fulfilling his mission. So not only can't one feel satisfied, filled with your own will, which is your desire, hear this, on the contrary, when they ask him, how are you doing with your satisfaction? He yells, he cries out, in the bitterness of his soul, 
He says, Mali Rotsen. What do you mean, my desire? Mali Tainug. What do you mean, pleasure? Mali Ava. What do you mean, love? Mali Yira. What do you mean, fear? How can I even think about these things when the mission has to be done? Something. These are all levels. I'm feeling this. I'm feel- <laughs> this is the same Rebbe who just five minutes ago gave us a whole discussion. How you're supposed to bring yourself to love. And you're supposed to bring yourself to fear. And you're supposed to bring... And then, and then he's saying, but now there's something much bigger than all of that. There is a mission. And you've been sent on a mission and every minute you should be driven with a, with, a, with, a, with a powerful drive, what's doing with the mission. And therefore, when you start talking to this person and asking him, who's he talking? He's talking about himself. How are you doing with your love? And how are you doing with your fear? And how are you doing with your pleasure? And how you How can I even think about these things? At the time that I have to stand guard. That they shouldn't miss even one moment in which I am going to be someone who rebels against the king of all kings. Not talking about doing something bad. Just the lack of being vigilant in doing what I was meant to do. In fulfilling the shlichus in this. I'll ask you a simple question. If the czar put up a, a servant, a soldier, to guard the door. To guard the door. That's his job. Stand over here and guard the door. And the guard is standing and he's there for hours. Hours he's standing by the door. All the time he's standing. And there is a stupid fly that's buzzing him on the nose and annoying him like whatever, but he can't do anything. And he stands there. And then there is this and it's hot. And then it's freezing cold. He stands there. But at a certain point, he's just whatever. He needs something. So he goes off for a moment to get himself a little something, a cup of water. At that moment, the czar walks by. Does it make a difference to the czar that he stood there the entire day and the entire day? And he tells him, doesn't make a difference, nothing. I mean, by a czar, it was your head is chopped off. That, what, what do you mean? You were supposed to stand over here, you're not here. I, all the other moments he was doing the right thing. But now, what happened? When I came, you weren't here. That's how the Rebbe sees it. God sent me, put me on the watch. Now what happens if the guard went off? Let me tell you. What happens if the guard went off and he decided that his boots that he's wearing need a little polishing? And he saw the guy, the palace shoe polisher guy, polishing shoes. So he ran over to, to get a little polish. And he happened to step away from it. It took him about two minutes. And he didn't go because, and he doesn't care about the polish because he likes to look good. He cares about the polish because he feels that the king should have a, should have a guard who has nice, because he knows the important dignitaries coming by, they should see that the czar's things have this polish with it. That's why he left. It's also irrelevant. It doesn't make a difference. I put you over here. This is where you're supposed to be. I think that gives you perspective about what the Rebbe is talking about. It's so hard for us to even think this, this whole way of thinking is like, we think we're doing God a whole favor like when we're doing a nice thing. To a mitzvah, I came to a shir, I learned, I gave a little tzedakah, and I'm being such a good Jew. (laughs) 
It's true. I'm not saying there are many other discourses. And I told you when we began, there are many others that, that, that that's what the Rebbe does. He, he, he'll pick you up and say, if you did something, wow, you turned over the head. That's also true. But this is also true. That your neshama was sent down into this world and you were given charge of something. And if you're living in that consciousness, then you know. The only difference is that with the czar, you know, if you didn't listen, then you got your head chopped. And with God, that's not that he's going to punish you. That's not the issue. It's the very idea that you disappointed him, that you were not on your guard and not where you need to be when you need to be. That is unthinkable. That is unthinkable to the tzaddik. Unthinkable. And, the, and, and when you live with this consciousness, you can never be satisfied. You're never going to sit there and pat yourself on the show, thing and say, oh, you know what, I did so much. So when someone fulfills this commandment, there should not be a meshakel of akara. Meaning, first of all, he's not filled with his own desires, not allowing God to enter, as we said earlier. He's able to create emotions and excitement, and then he doesn't come to satisfaction. He does whatever he can. That his service should be with love and fear. Amitiyam, true. That has a fulfillment. It has a continuation. And he doesn't walk around all satisfied with himself. So then they add and they promise him from above so then they promise him from above and remember we said that the, that the words means two things it means you shouldn't and that you won't that he has divine assistance that he won't have these problems and based on this we can add explanation the days of your of your of your life of your the the number of your days I will fill, amale dafka I will fill, shazel inyan shabam el maila dafka. This is something that comes from above. Hashem says, I will fill. Noisavale is boininus, the Adam. In addition to what a person has to contemplate, that he has a set amount of days that were given to him. But that God Himself says, Hashem himself says, that is beyond the whole thing, says, that I will fill your days. What does that mean? Here's the beautiful thing. Even if, God forbid, there was some kind of a blemish in a person's time that he's been given in this world, time that it goes wasted, time that it goes when we're not focused, and we all are guilty of that, big time. Big time, two ways. Big time, big time. And there's a lot of time in which that happens. In the, in the amount of days of a person. There were days. Days that a person has not fulfilled his, his mission. Or even worse than that. Not only didn't the person do that which he needed to do. But during those days the person did things he ought not to have done. That's on the other end. So, here there's a blemish, and you can't make up time. Time is time, past. The one thing you can't bring back is time. It's done. He says, no. Since who is the one that's speaking over here, we said before, 
the, the, the amount of your days I will fill. So who's the one suddenly speaking? Like when we said earlier, I will remove a sickness from among. It's God who is the master over the entire system of creation. So he's a master over time and controls time. So he fills all those, all those pockets, all those gaps. As long as he sees that you're doing your best you can not, not to waste your time. And to, and to keep, and to recognize that you're a servant of Hashem every moment. Um, over there there's no blemish. From that place, Hashem fills the days that were set. Even more that was set. All the person's days are suddenly filled with godly content. Not only full days, also luminous days, radiant days. Mispar means number. Mispar also comes from the word sapphire. Your days will shine like sapphire. Mispar Hashemayim The heavens are sparkling. Piddish Meloshan Evan Sapphire, like the meaning of a Shuloshan Sfidus of Behirus. I will remove sickness. Direct. Like the third one speaking, like we said earlier. The sickness that we're talking about over here. It's a sickness that God forbid can be when, even if you're serving Hashem, and even if He blesses your bread and water, because it says after that, I will bless your water, and I will remove a sickness, which means even after I bless the water, the sickness is still there, and now Hashem has to remove it. So what does that mean? It says, I will bless your bread and I will bless your water. It's referring to the written Torah and the oral Torah. Or Torah and mitzvahs. Torah is water, mitzvahs are bread. Or, I will bless them. Hashem blesses them. There can be an illness. What's that? I will remove the illness. What's the sickness that can still be there? The Indian Bazaar, and the reason is that the illness that it says over here, Machlostam, plain illness, who Wow. I says when I will remove the illness, it means the illness that's the root of all illness. What's that? Wow. You know what the illness of all illnesses is? self-consciousness which came about by the sin what basically happened when Chava ate from the tree of knowledge she became ill and she made her husband ill and then the whole world became ill what's the illness? the illness is the consciousness of self like we always know let me give a simple example when do you have a healthy head? when you're not conscious that you have a head. If you feel your head, if you feel your head, simply a headache, your head is telling you it's there, you're feeling it, that's a sign that your head is not healthy, that there's an illness, whatever, something is causing it. If you feel your toes, and if you feel your liver, so what do you see? 
illness comes with a feeling of that limb. When the limbs are silent, and just like in a car, when you hear the noise, the engine, you know, it's not good. When it's silent, when each part is not announcing its existence. So when Chava began to announce her own existence and say, I am, and I am, and that's what happened. Eitz Hadas made them self-conscious. And we always know that. That's in anything. I mean, when you have a, if you go to a wedding, you can have the best time, have the, such a good time, if you're not self-conscious. If you go to the wedding and you're feeling yourself, you feel so hard, it's, it's, you, know, you can enjoy it. Think about how I look and how this. The whole time you're walking, you're thinking about there's a big wedding going on. There's much more there in the wedding besides, 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 besides me, besides you. It's a, whole, it's a few hundred people in it. But when the person is so like <sighs> conscious in themselves, then they don't even have a good time. It's a disconnect. And that's what happened by the sin of the eight sadas. Everything became self-conscious. And from there came all other illnesses. So Hashem says, I will remove the sickness, is I will remove that consciousness, and suddenly you'll just be. Um, before the sin, there was no sense of self. Like it says, that both of them were unclothed. They were not embarrassed. And the sin was, they became conscious of themselves. The woman said, Oh, she saw the tree is good to eat. That's why even after Hashem blesses your bread and your water, there can still be the sickness. What does that mean? You can have a lot of Torah and a lot of mitzvahs, which we said before, and still feel yourself. The sin of the tree of knowledge affected everybody. Even righteous people. And even imperfectly righteous people. As all the sages say, there were four people who didn't have any sin and they died because of the snake's venom. Meaning, because of what the snake put into Chava. These are the biggest tzaddikim. The reason they died, the only reason they died was because of the sin of the tree of knowledge. Even a perfect tzaddikim can also have some kind of a feeling on themselves. It can do as it is known. Even a perfect tzaddik who serves God with the highest type of love, love and fear of pleasure, is not totally nullified. has some bit of self. He loves God. And even in his love and in his fear, there is self-consciousness. I am loving. Which as the altar Rebbe tells in Tanya, it can compare to the level of connection to God that the Neshama had before it came down, when it had no self-consciousness. That's even Sadiqim. How much more so Bainanim, average people, and the people that are less than Bainanim. They definitely have the feeling of themselves. Now here's the thing. To eliminate self-consciousness, the human being can't do that. You can do it a little bit by not concentrating so much on what you want. The, you just, you know, the more you do for others, the less you think about yourself. But 
to bring it to zero, you can't do it on your own. You need Hashem to do that. Hashem says, I will remove that illness. I will remove it. Only God's very, very essence can heal us from that illness. As we said before. And all these things materialize also in the physical. That there's no physical sickness. Blessed bread. Hashem takes away all sickness. You will live a long life. Children. There won't be any, any, anybody that will lose their children. And all of this becomes a preparation. The Indian Knisa Sa'aretz, that we will enter the land, as it says, so it will be to us. In the, in, in speedily in our days, Al Yedei Mashiach Tzidkenu, through Mashiach Tzidkenu. All right, there's a lot to think about over here. A lot to think about. Mayan, just in time you came to finish all. To finish all the sushi.